Hello and welcome to the latest edition of DChat, a PLU podcast featuring interviews with PLU academic deans and highlighted by questions submitted by PLU alumni. My name is Zach Powers. I work in PLU's Division of Marketing and Communications, and today I'm joined by Dr. Dave Heelsbeck, Professor of Anthropology and Dean of PLU's Division of Social Sciences. First of all, welcome, and thanks for being here today. Just to start us out, what made PLU a fit for you when you first accepted a position here in, back in 1989? Well, I graduated with my PhD from WSU in 1983. Job market almost as bad as it was in 2008, but did get a full-time position at Santa Clara University. I discovered that I loved teaching. I loved an undergraduate liberal arts institution, but my wife and I really didn't like Silicon Valley. And six years later, when a position at PLU opened, I successfully landed the position and we escaped north. And did she like it here as well? She likes it much better here, yes. Excellent. I was reading through some of your bio and some of your background and and research and the sorts of projects and, and research you've been involved in. And I was wondering about the timing of being an anthropologist in the Puget Sound and surrounding region in the late 80s and early 90s. And if that was an exciting or timely period in which to move here. I wondered if there were perhaps more stones unturned in this region. It just seems like you were able to pretty quickly get involved with a lot of interesting things to do with indigenous communities and around our our coast and all sorts of things. Well, it it was a good time. Um, A little bit earlier during the the fish wars and the uh, Judge Bolt decision uh, in the late 70s was probably a little more exciting. But being in graduate school, working with the Macaw tribe on the Olympic Peninsula, I've had a lot of experience in the area, so that coming back, um, you know, in '89, I already had a lot of contacts um, and, and was pretty well positioned, based on my experience at Santa Clara, uh, to figure out the kinds of things that I would like to try to get students involved in, and had a pretty good idea of things that were possible to get students involved in. Throughout your career at PLU, what are some of the things you're most proud of when it comes to getting students involved. We should say there's a really phenomenal piece in our new issue of Resolute about your program with the Macaw Tribe. Mm -hmm. That's a J-term study away program. But that and what are some other things that you're... Okay. The the study away program is probably the thing I am most proud of. And in addition to it being written up in the Resolute issue, I have a chapter in a book edited by Neil Sabania, came out a couple of years ago, on study away as professor, study abroad. So that really is, I I think, it's the most rewarding teaching I do every year. Um, The the cultural immersion experience that the PLU students get is, is phenomenal. I think for about 15 years or more, um, I had a relationship going with the Mount Baker Snoqualmie National Forest. And we spent three weeks every summer in the Cascades uh, doing archaeological site survey and testing with a combination of Forest Service Passport and Time volunteers and PLU students uh, getting credit for doing archaeology. And out of that experience, Oh, I think we were averaging one or two students a year who were at least temporarily going on and um, working as professional archaeologists uh, in heritage archaeology projects. One thing that I was talking to Kari, who interviewed you recently Mm -hmm. for that Resolute article, and she was talking about your enthusiasm and just how infectious it was, especially when you were on site. What continues to make anthropology and research and other, you know, learning more about other cultures, what continues to make that exciting for you? 
Oh, I think it's just the most interesting thing to do. Yeah. I started college as an undergraduate. I was going to major in political science and be a lawyer and stuff like that. Uh, and sophomore year, took a course in archaeology. Went on my first dig that uh, next summer, volunteered in graduate students' labs to help them with their dissertation work, uh, and have pretty much been doing archaeology and working with Native people ever since. Very cool. So quick background for listeners. The Division of Social Sciences houses the departments of anthropology, economics, history, politics and government, psychology, social work, and sociology. And, and the graduate program in marriage and family therapy. And, the, and marriage and family therapy graduate program. What's the common thread between those seven undergraduate programs and the one graduate program? Uh, they're all concerned with people uh, and the relationships that people have with other people. Um, either sort of individual focus, uh, as is the case in psychology. Social work and marriage and family therapy are both outward-oriented, working with people to make their lives better. The, uh, the rest, anthropology, economics, sociology, uh, are really focused on groups of people and how they interact with each other, either as societies or as the, the larger culture. But it's all about social. Yeah. So these are some, a couple in particular, I don't know the exact numbers, but when I was a student here, at least, it seems like psych was a very big department, and there seemed like there was a lot of so, uh, sociology majors and a lot of history majors and a lot of econ majors. This seems like a very big division. How many students, uh, undergrads in particular, are roughly, I know that number can, can uh, yeah. ebb and flow, but roughly how many students are within the division as majors? We were probably uh, at about 350 okay. to 500. So yes, it does vary from year to year, but we, we are popular. What is your role on a week-to-week -week or month-to-month -month basis within the division and within your department? Well, um, as the, the elected deans in humanities, natural sciences, and social sciences each teach two courses a, a year. Okay. Uh, so we have a reduced teaching load, but we still get in the classroom. In the anthropology department, I team teach our capstone sequence with a cultural anthropologist. Uh, as dean... I work with the department chairs uh, to help them manage their pr individual programs and to uh, sort of keep all of the programs working together. They each have their individual budgets, but I'm responsible for all the budgets. And so we work on uh, collaborating on strategies uh, to strengthen the resources available to us uh, and available to our students. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with some alumni questions for Dr. Heelsbeck. On Open to Interpretation, host and PLU communication professor Amy Young is joined by PLU faculty members to discuss a single word commonly used in the news, on social media, and on college campuses. Past episodes include discussion of words like advocacy, climate, protest, and gender. Listen to episodes of Open to Interpretation and other PLU podcasts by subscribing to PLU Audio on iTunes or by visiting plu.edu slash audio. Welcome back to DChat. Today we're talking with Dr. Dave Hulsbeck, who's the dean of our Division of Social Sciences here at PLU. And I want to get into some alumni questions. We've sent out questions to alumni we do a lot of different different things for work and studied throughout the division. And I want to start with Shannon Murphy, who's a 2007 graduate and was a political science major, I think among two or three majors, but she's now the president of Washington Conservation Voters and a, 
very well-known environmental advocate here in the state of Washington. And she writes, given the current state of democracy, partisanship, and doubt in government, how are PLU politics and government students being prepared to be active civic leaders who see value in community engagement and democratic participation? The curriculum is designed to give students that kind of background and preparation, but special preparation. Uh, Dr. Caitlin Sill, part of a team that took students, took PLU students to Washington, D.C. to view the operations of government and the inauguration of President Trump. I was there. Uh, we just wrote an article about that on PLU News. So um, we try in all of the programs in the division uh, not just to do the sort of academic book library sorts of education, uh, but to get students involved in actually experiencing uh, the subject matter that they're studying. As a political science alumni, when I was a student here from 2007 to 2010, this was the political science department. And just recently, I think about a year and a half ago, it changed to politics and government, which I believe is... uh, I don't know about a trend, but it's not unusual. Um, And personally, as an alumnus who has worked in politics and government, I I really like the change. But it seems um, I wanted to ask you about those conversations in that process of changing it from something that sounds in political science, perhaps more academic, to something that sounds, I think, more vocational. Politics and government is the sectors in which one might work Mm -hmm. if they have this degree. So maybe it'll draw more students. I was curious to ask about that. Well, the rationale was to try to to accomplish two goals with one sort of restructuring, to strengthen, as you suggest, the politics and government focus on American politics and government, and to strengthen the global studies program by moving the two faculty who were in the political science department who did international stuff over to staff the global studies program. So we have raised the profile of global studies because they now have two dedicated full-time faculty who have partial appointments in the one case in anthropology and the other in sociology, so strengthening the interdisciplinary ties of global studies as well, and heightened the emphasis on American politics uh, in the politics and government department. And the politics and government major still requires some international exposure, yeah. much as your degree I requirements did. Ann Kelleher, yeah. Uh, except that now those courses are called Global Studies 3XX instead of uh, Poli Sci 3XX. Our next question is from Skylar Cole, who's a 2009 graduate and a sociology major. She's now a senior education specialist for Treehouse, so she's a social worker, and she works out of Lincoln High School here in Tacoma. And she writes, do you believe the Division of Social Sciences has a responsibility to prepare students to take leadership roles in working to advance racial equity both here on campus and in their professional lives? And if so, what does and can that look like? Yes, I believe we do have the responsibility. uh, And uh, it's I'm not sure I know quite what to um, characterize uh, the way it looks. Um, She added some context to her question that I wasn't necessarily going to because okay. um, it made the question very long. The context that she added was, um, she wrote, the question comes both in the context of the past few years increased media attention to black and brown bodies and also the reality that my professional work took an unexpected turn in this direction after my time at PLU. And the sensitivity and perspective on race needed for the work didn't come until after graduation for me in large part. So I guess what she's talking about is as a social worker in a, a majority non-white high school and uh, the most low-income high school in Tacoma in Lincoln, 
that she maybe feels like she was surprised not to have more racial equity training or education in the program. Mm -hmm. And um, as a 2009 grad, that's almost a decade ago. So how do you maybe see programs evolving to respond to the times? Uh, Well, I mean, we all are trying to evolve and and respond to the times. Sociology program uh, is uh, growing right now, uh, becoming more even stronger than it was when she was here. Um, I think that um, uh, in sociology in particular, but most of the social sciences, uh, internship experiences, uh, J-term study away experiences like J-term on the Hill. We now have the TIES uh, program, the Tacoma Immersion Experience Semester. Uh, So in trying to provide, you know, sort of classroom exposure to these issues, which I'm sure she had, but uh, it's it's not the same as uh, really confronting uh, sort of the reality. Um, There are student groups on campus who are pushing to move us in uh, as an institution more in the, the direction of social justice. And so... Various faculty groups are, you know, working on responses to uh, the student movement. President Kreis has set as uh, a goal uh, of his administration more community outreach. So I'm working with a group of uh, faculty and staff and students uh, who have had uh, probably once every three or four month uh, lunches with representatives from the, the local Native American community. Uh, so there are a number of, of issues that are go- – well, and in the long range, the last long-range plan – in 2010 for 2020, community connections and social justice uh, and diversity and sustainability uh, were added to our areas of distinction that we want to try to to strive for. That's really that's really interesting. That's a, a lot of things. I think I think she'll be very excited about that that answer. That does lead to a different question that I had written down. It's not an alumni question, but because you mentioned internships. Do you have a rough kind of a base model of out-of-classroom learning experiences that ideally a social science student would have on graduation, whether it's um, a couple of internships and a off-campus research project or something like that? I know that the, the division is full of students who want to do lots of different things, but it's this combination of students who want to, are going to immediately go to grad school or immediately go to job market. Mm-hmm. And so probably a lot who will go to the job market for a couple of years and then go to grad school, mm-hmm. either while working or taking a, a year or two off. And so I wonder, is there kind of a general template that you would prescribe to students early on, first or second year of, hey, you should have a couple internships and some experience doing research, or, or if it just is different for different students? We don't really have a, a single template that we try to fit for everyone. Uh, we strongly encourage students right from the start uh, to get engaged. Uh, and, of course, what that engagement looks like is going to vary based on who the student is. You know, are, are they a parent? Uh, yeah. Do, what kind of work um, outside of the classroom? What are, are they, they prepared for in? kind of emotionally? Yeah. Um, but – um, a research experience is something that every PLU student has to have in order to graduate. It's called the capstone course. Yeah. Um, and in the social sciences in particular, uh, we work very hard to prepare the students for the capstone 
and then to provide opportunities for them to present the results of their capstone research at professional conferences. Uh, this year, psychology is sending 13 students uh, to uh, the Regional Psychological Association uh, conference. Sociology is sending four. Econ is sending four to a national wow. conference. Anthropology is sending one to a national conference and four to a regional conference. And these are all students presenting results of their research projects, uh, not just attending the conference to yeah. watch. As part of the way that PLU is able to support so many students in doing this sort of work, just the access to, to faculty and the emphasis on student faculty research, I mean, it seems like we, we kind of know the numbers of class sizes and things like that, but is that really where it kind of starts to show up? Um, yes. I mean, it's it's partly that we adopted the capstone requirement a couple of decades ago and have been working ever since to make sure that students are prepared to do what they and we would like them to yeah. do in the capstone. But um, you know, as I mentioned that I started uh, doing archaeology uh, in my sophomore year. Well, I hung out with graduate students and professors as an undergraduate at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I got a PLU-type education there, and the other 39,999 undergraduates didn't get it. Yeah. Um, so it really is has a lot to do with the uh, close contact between students and faculty. But we also worked very hard to support students. Uh, and... Going to a conference costs money. Sure does. The psychology department has funds. The econ department has funds. The anthropology department has funds. And the division of social science has funds. Sociology is able to get money from their national um, professional organization. Uh, so wrapping that all together this year, uh, we are going to be spending out of the division almost 20000 Dollars supporting student travel to professional conferences. So is that investment decided communally among you and the department chairs and the faculty? Or well, some of it is is with the Sievertson Forest Foundation Fellowship. Okay, uh, students do a research project with a faculty mentor uh, and receive financial support for the project and to travel. Gotcha. Um, so th that's an endowment. So there's money fund. reserved. It's not as though you, uh, a dean with a different. Ethic. It's hey, this money would be better spent elsewhere. It's yeah. it's designated for that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and in the psych, the psychology department has a budget line. Anthropology department has an endowed account. Econ has an endowed account. The division of social science money is just in the budget. We could move it to someplace else, um, but uh, the way. Social sciences works, uh, that money wouldn't be moved unless all of the department chairs agreed with the dean that it should be moved. Uh, I would make that unilateral decision at my of own course. risk. Yeah. We're going to be right back and ask some more alumni questions to Dr. Hillsbeck. Featuring video testimony from 16 PLU students, faculty members, and staff. PLU's Listen Campaign is a collection of individual stories that provide multiple perspectives on what it means to be a community that not only embraces diversity, but also works actively in community to provide social change. Learn more at plu.edu slash listen. Welcome back to DChat. We're talking today with Dr. Dave Hillsbeck, who's the Dean of the PLU Division of Social Sciences. Our next question from alumni is from Andrew Radsky, who's a 2010 graduate, and he's a second grade teacher at Eastwood Elementary School over in Portland. And he was a psychology and poli-sci double major. And he has a question from a teacher's perspective and 
I was actually surprised when I was scanning through alumni how many teachers come out of this division because we don't necessarily think of it, I guess with the exception of history, as a teacher's division, but there's a ton of them. So his question is, uh, the big push in education these days is teaching STEAM. News organizations like Forbes and Fortune and even NPR have published pieces depicting the notion that social science degrees are not necessarily worth the money in terms of post-college career options and earnings. With this in mind, how do we encourage and support K-12 students in pursuing careers and degrees in the social sciences, given this culture that our society seems to be creating in regards to those fields? And he also added a little caveat, which said that he's thrilled with his degrees and wouldn't trade them in for the world. He was nervous about asking a negative question. But I think his question, it's the same question we, we asked uh, Kevin O'Brien with the humanities. It's, there's this narrative around, especially around liberal arts education and what job does this lead to or what are you learning or things like that. So I don't think it's necessarily make the case for, mm-hmm. for the social sciences, but, um, but how do we encourage and support people in studying the social sciences? Science, technology, engineering, math are all really important areas of study, uh, really important to the future of, of the country. Um, but if you are socially incompetent uh, or illiterate, uh, you've got a real challenge going on. And not to say that a math major is automatically going to be socially incompetent, um, but different people do have different strengths. Uh, Training can, to some degree, overcome weaknesses. But it's certainly my experience that if you enjoy doing something, you will do more of it and do it better uh, than if you don't enjoy it. Um, So social sciences, uh, like all of the liberal arts, uh, are really important to preparing people generally for the kind of research skills, uh, critical thinking, data gathering uh, that we need in everyday life, that we especially need if we are going to be educators uh, at whatever level of um, education that you're working, uh, K-12 or college or postgraduate. Those areas of activity um, are critically important. Um, My brother-in-law is retired from IBM now, but he did a lot of the hiring for the the Denver office when he was working there. Uh, And if he had the choice of someone with a technical college degree in computer science or someone that had a liberal arts degree in computer science. He always went with the four-year college degree That's interesting. person yeah. because uh, they were just much more well-rounded and better able to do things in addition to their very narrow, specific job tasks. That's interesting. You and I were in a small group of folks uh, this fall discussing just this very thing, the case for liberal arts and, and abroad education. And a faculty member, I don't remember who, unfortunately, but they said, they had been thinking about this concept of colleges are preparing students for careers and jobs that don't exist yet. Mm-hmm. And so and, and the case was around you know, selling out specifically to a specific job or a specific field versus preparing students for what may not even exist yet. And we don't know what the demands will entail. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there had been any number of studies done uh, that show that um, professional school graduates uh, tend to get their first job more easily. Um, than a liberal arts major. Hmm. Uh, The liberal arts majors have a tendency to end up out-earning professional school graduates on average. Um, It depends on 
where you're headed in which uh, field. But they may start out behind, but they have a tendency to go further because of the broader background. That's interesting. History major and 1998 graduate Nath Laver, who is the communications director at United Food and Commercial Workers Local 367 here in Tacoma, he had this question. He was wondering, how has the way students learn changed in the past 10 to 20 years, and how has this benefited or affected social science departments? I think that you know the obvious changes uh, have to do with information being available digitally, online, sure. um, and the challenge <laughs> for the old guy like me, the educator, not being nearly as nimble with social media and digital information sources uh, as students are. Uh, but at the same time, while students may be nimble at finding things um, or sometimes not finding things, um, they, they need to learn the critical thinking skills to be able to evaluate the things that they're finding. Um, you know, is the source that they're looking at reliable? Is it accurate? Is it even true? Yeah. Uh, and those sorts of things uh, really need to come into play. Uh, so you know, it's basically the same kinds of goals that um, we've always had for students. Uh, they're just sort of packaged and managed differently. Yeah. Psychology major Brianne Burnett, who's a 2011 graduate and a therapist at Greater Lakes Mental Hospital, has a question about the psychology department. And she's wondering, I'm just going to, her, her question is long and we're running a little short on time, so I'm just going to paraphrase. She basically, she's wondering about the balance in the psych department in particular, which is a pretty big department that sends off students to a lot of different places, social work and, and clinical and to graduate programs. Um, she's wondering how that program balances clinical and research interest and basically is that department that's one in flux that's kind of changing over time to prioritize one over the other, or is it staying pretty consistent? The, the department is experiencing some turnover in, in faculty. Um, we have several uh, who have or will retire in, over the next few years. Uh, but the department has always had a focus on uh, psychology as a science. Uh, the statistics research method sequence that's the heart of the program. Uh, students are prepared in sophomore year to do research in their junior and senior years. Uh, and if you talk to clinical psychologists uh, who are practicing counseling professionals uh, or to the marriage and family therapy faculty who are training clinical uh, counselors, it's really, really important to be able to judge whether or not a particular therapy is effective yeah. or a particular approach to therapy is effective. And you have to have the science background, the statistics background to do that. So the emphasis in the program has been and for the foreseeable future will continue on providing undergraduates with the science background that they need to go on in either yeah. direction in psychology. That makes sense. Our final alumni question is from Alex Chisel, who is a 2011 grad and a political science major. He's now the senior manager of advancement services at YMCA Greater Seattle. And his question is, societal norms and trends and even teaching practices are ever changing. How do you as dean help social science faculty members adapt and change with the times? Uh, in, I encourage them to find their own style. Um, yeah. You know, I'm now a 64-year-old white guy, uh, stuff that I can do in the classroom, uh, a 28-year-old female might not be able to get away with. 
things that she might be able to do very effectively would fall absolutely flat if I tried to do them. Um, so uh, teaching is an art uh, and helping faculty discover their strengths uh, in the classroom, their, um, the approaches that work the best for them, and not trying to judge them uh, based on any kind of really arbitrary standard. Uh, or you have to do it this way or you have to do it that way. Uh, and as dean, talking with individual faculty, uh, but also talking with department chairs who are providing the most direct mentorship to junior faculty. Uh, but then also to sort of mid-career and senior faculty, helping them continue to change because our students continue to change. Sure. So that's a reality that um, we have to face over the length of our career. So I have, I have one, my final, one of my final questions is around, also around faculty, and it comes from kind of a personal experience that I had with my faculty advisor, who was Sid Olafs, who's a politics and government professor who's um, in the process of retiring. And my question is around the role faculty can and should play in helping students choose their paths. I think a lot of students imagine this process of getting feedback and working with an academic advisor as being more or less whatever that student decides to do, that that faculty will help in whatever ways they can create a roadmap to, that student, to put that student in the best position possible to have access to that grad school or that sort of job in that field, et cetera. I had an interesting experience, which was most of my time at PLU, I, I was pre-law and I was doing LSAT prep and I was seeking out internships to do with legal studies and interning at the public defender's office and things like that. When I was working with Dr. Olaus my senior year, he asked me, why do you want to go to law school? And I said, well, I'd like to be a, a writer and a communications professional um, in policy or in, in Congress or in Olympia. And he said, you have a lot of gifts and a lot of skills, but I don't actually think that you would thrive in law school based on what you do and what you have to do in law school, which is I have kind of a sporadic mind. I don't just I think I would have got killed in law school in retrospect. <laughs> Some of my friends did go and I was confident it wasn't a place to me. And he pointed me toward uh, an MPA, Master's in Public Administration. And I at the time hadn't even hardly heard of it, mm -hmm. much less didn't know there was a program in Olympia and two programs in Seattle. And and he really encouraged me to look at that route, which, long story short, it's not about me, but I wound up earning my MPA at, at Evergreen while working in politics. And I'm really thankful for that. But I was surprised at the time that, hey, I wish this guy would just hop on board with my pre-law plan and just give me some advice about mm -hmm. that and not be trying to pivot me into this other thing, an MPA that I don't even know. I've never heard of this before. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious. I don't know if that experience is a common experience, but I'm wondering when you hear a story like that, do you think, yes, that's exactly what our faculty should be doing or what that makes you think about? Oh, I think, yes, it is exactly what our faculty should be doing. I think that um, perhaps, unfortunately, um, most of us aren't as aware of you know, sort of parallel or uh, other opportunities um, that we could suggest to someone. Um, but if I, I know that <laughs> uh, when I've taken students out to do field archaeology, um, they most often think it's going to be exciting and romantic sure. and visions of Indiana Jones dance through their head. Uh, and then when they get it down to the hard reality of you know, digging a square hole in an archaeological site and recording the fact that they didn't find anything and recording it in a way that will convince 
everyone who reads their report that they didn't miss what was there, that there really was nothing there, then, you know, if, if they don't find yeah. that interesting, then they better start looking for something else uh, and looking for ways to help them, you know, sort of troll around for other kinds of, of opportunities um, is something that I, th I think all faculty at PLU take very seriously. The way we always close these conversations is just a simple question of how can alumni get involved with um, the division and maybe specifically the department um, within which that they studied. And specifically, I always ask this question and I couch it with, of course, the the CEO or in the in this case the elected official or certain types of professionals can always kind of navigate their way into these systems. But sometimes I think there's a, a mid-level, whether it's uh, someone under 35 or just someone who isn't a CEO or, or a nonprofit executive director. How can people get involved and plug in in different ways? Or maybe not asking you to list all the different ways, but maybe what's a connection point? Is it emailing the department chairs? Is it getting in touch with you? How can people get involved? Um, certainly the, the dean is uh, sort of the the most public access point for any kind of, of contact and involvement. Uh, if they drill down just a little bit further in the website and get to the department chair, uh, that is uh, certainly also uh, a, a good idea. Uh, and then, you know, how they get involved is kind of up to them. Yeah. Um, what are they interested in doing? Uh, are they interested in serving on a panel to help students uh, consider prospective careers. Uh, the sociology department does uh, a panel like that regularly uh, with sociology graduates who are in all kinds of, of different fields. Uh, so um, volunteering their time, their expertise, yeah. uh, and, you know, we, we never turn down money. Of course uh, not. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there are some very good things that can be done with relatively small amounts of money. Yeah. Helping students uh, study away in J-term. Uh, the, the tuition is part of the block pricing package, um, but there's still a course fee. The, the, the cost of travel has to come from somewhere. The Wong Center has some money to support students. Uh, other units have some money to support students. Um, but something like that, if if the individual is uh, interested in supporting study away uh, or you know, whatever they're interested in. So time, money, expertise, um, we're interested in all of it uh, and in continuing the uh, relationships that we started however many years ago it was. Cool. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Hilfeck. Well, thank you.